0: on local now channel 525
1: see we're either working or tolling or expending our time and energy to prove our existence or we're co-laboring with god in the pleasure of his presence and his purpose so human religion says i obey and i work and therefore i'm acceptance but the gospel says the work
0: is finished
1: Hey, do me a favor. Take your copy of God's Word today and turn to the very beginning. We're literally in just a moment going to start in Genesis chapter one and Genesis chapter two, as I begin this series that I'm simply calling "Rest." I need to begin with a confession. I I don't know that there's been another time and. In 30 years of ministry, where in the preparation for a message, I've been so overwhelmed with the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God. I think this is an area that I need God's voice in my life. It was just a week and a half ago that I emailed a couple of our staff and said, hey, I normally don't do this, but I feel led to change directions from the message series we were planning on doing and, and spend several weeks talking about this idea of Sabbath rest. And, and now I know that one of the reasons God prompted that was because I need this in my life. But I suspect I'm not alone. So let me ask you today, how you doing? How are y'all doing? Usually we answer that question, at least my kids do, in a younger generation, they'll say something like this, I'm good. Often, though, there's a comma, isn't there? I'm good, just what? Just tired? I'm good, just what? busy I, I rarely ask that question and hear somebody say i'm good just bored or, or i'm good just trying to figure out what to do with all this extra time on my hands <laughs> i'm good just navigating all this margin that i have in my life in every area no the truth is as someone has said we are pathologically busy busy We've got more technology, more at our fingertips than ever in human history, and yet all that we have has just seemed to make us do more. We chase our careers, we chase our children, we end up chasing our tails, going from one thing to the next. We never stop. And this lifestyle is causing all kinds of harm. The truth is, 40% of Americans are more anxious than this time last year, they would say. Suicide, depression, overall restlessness is at an all-time high. It's a damaging reality. We're hurting ourselves physically, emotionally, mentally yes, for those of us that would gather around the Word of God, we're even causing spiritual damage. And You don't have to be a psychologist to see this. Truthfully, you just have to be a friend to look around your little corner of the world after looking in the mirror and seeing the people around you and, and seeing that they're not really there. You see, this is where we understand that the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy, but the enemy doesn't have to destroy most of us. For most of us, it will not be immorality or some unethical behavior that derails us because for most of us, all the enemy needs to do is to distract us. Man, are we distracted. Corey ten Boone, that great Christian lady, said, if the devil can't make you sin, he'll just make you busy. John Ortberg, pastor, the author, said, for many of us, the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith. It is that we would become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we'll settle for a mediocre version of it. We'll just skim our lives rather than actually living them. A couple of years ago, a pastor from Portland named John Mark Comer wrote this book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. I would recommend this to you, and I'll be drawing from this over the next several weeks just to look at how we're living our lives and how we've become obsessed with this idea of busyness. But all you need to do is not look in a book. You can just look in the palm of your hand where most of the time you'll find your what? your iPhone, unless you're one of those weird Android users. Did you know that in a recent study, it was found out that iPhone users touch their phones 2,716 times every day? We're on the phone in some way 2.5 hours a day. On average, that's 76 different sessions. By the way, millennials and younger studies show are twice that amount. As a result, this has changed us. All you have to do is look at children and grandchildren today. In the year 2000, the average attention span for an individual was 12 seconds. You know what it is today? Eight seconds. By the way, you know what it is for a goldfish? Nine seconds. We have less of an attention span than a goldfish. (laughs) And I wonder why I don't get more amens on the sermon. We're distracted. We're busy. We're tired. And we put that up against this reality, these words of Jesus. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest the bible says that when we come to jesus with our burdens with our weariness he will give us rest it doesn't say he might give us rest or he could give us rest or if we hold our fingers a certain way he'll give us rest or if we do this list of chores he'll give us rest no he says if you come to me i will give you rest do you need rest you find yourself saying i'm done I'm at the end of my rope. I'm over it. Or Maybe a better test. Have you already tuned out in this moment? Are you already looking on your phone at something else? Would you say you're resting in Jesus? In the midst of this book, Comer gives us a list of words that help us maybe determine where we are. Words that speak of restfulness like margin or restlessness like busyness. So which of these define you? Slowness or hurry? Quiet or noise? Deep relationships or isolation? Time alone or crowds? Delight or distraction? Enjoyment or envy? clarity or confusion gratitude or or greed contentment or discontentment trust or or worry love or anger and angst joy or melancholy and sadness peace or anxiety work as a contribution or work as a sense of accomplishment chore to be achieved. Would you describe your existence as restful? If not, why? Do you like the way things are? Do you remember that definition of stupidity? (laughs) Continuing to do what you've always done and expecting things to be different? Doing the same thing, but expecting different results. What's what's keeping you from rest? That soul rest, that deep rest, that rest that Jesus talked about when he said, Come to me and I will give you, let's say it together, rest. We're going to talk about that for the next several weeks. It's my prayer that God uses this in my life and that he uses this in your life to usher in a season of rest. Not a a temporary reminder, but a new way of life. A way that replenishes our soul, that revives our spirit, that restores the joy of our salvation. So that when our little corner of the world looks in on us, they see us at rest. Oh, would it be that we get to such a place that we don't just wait to the end of our life to have that wish for someone else. May you rest in peace, but may we live our lives today resting at peace. So I want to pray, hopefully having teed this up in such a way that now you're contemplating your where, where you are in this process. So as I pray, maybe you would just say, God, I, I need this rest of which he speaks. I, I need that which you were saying come to you for. I, I need this renewing and replenishing and this reviving in my soul. God, would you give it to me for your glory? Let's pray that even now. Father, in Jesus' name, we ask you for rest. Jesus, you tell us that when we come to you, you give us rest. And so in this moment, we're asking that you begin to give what you've promised. Do that by giving us clarity as we look in your word. Conviction as the spirit moves in us. Then let there be change. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. What I pray for that person that needs ultimate soul rest that comes from salvation in you, the Lord Jesus Christ. May this be the day of their salvation. Father, I pray that the words I say and even my thoughts would please you because you have been my Savior, my strength, my Redeemer. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to talk about Sabbath rest. and You're familiar with that word Sabbath, but I want to give some clarity on the outset. Sabbath is simply a word that has specific meaning. Sabbath means to cease or to stop. To pause in the Hebrew you you think of Sabbath with that Hebrew word Shabbat that seems to carry a little more confidence with it a word that means a deep rest. And so let me just give you the big idea, and and let's talk about it for a few minutes from Scripture. The big idea is this, Sabbath rest is a blessing created by God to be enjoyed through a relationship with Christ, not a burden to be endured out of religious duty. That's the sermon in a sentence. Let me say it to you again. Sabbath rest is a blessing created by God to be enjoyed through a relationship with Christ, not a burden to be endured just out of religious duty. See, a lot of us, when we think about Sabbath in the Scripture, we think of the command. We'll read that in a moment from Exodus 20, that we honor the Sabbath day. And for for some of you, that's why you're here. You're you're checking this box to say, I I honored the Sabbath in the way I think I'm supposed to honor the Sabbath. But, But what I want you to understand that when Scripture teaches us about the Sabbath, it's teaching us something so much greater. It's teaching us a Sabbath rest that is a gift from God designed to bless us for us to enjoy it's not simply something we do out of religious duty that we endure whether we want to or not this pattern of sabbath rest has been around since the beginning of creation so that's the first thing i want you to know god created sabbath rest God created this idea that we're discussing. Go back to Genesis chapter 1. In Genesis 1, the very first words of Scripture say, in the beginning, God what? Created. We worship a God who is the creator, and God created all that is With his words, God spoke into existence everything you see, the the skies, the seas, the animals. And yes, even humankind, we are created in the image of God. You bear the Imago Dei, the image of God in your life. God worked for six days creating then it says in Genesis 1 and verse 31 that he saw everything he had made, and it was very good. And then there was evening, morning, the sixth day. But that's not the end of the story. Chapter 2 begins, thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing and so on the seventh day he rested from all his work then god blessed the seventh day and he made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done so let me see if i can paint a picture for you for those that are slower to understand god worked and worked and worked and worked and worked and worked And then he rested. Six days he worked, and then on that seventh day he wove into the pattern of creation this concept of rest. Think of all that God did by breathing out into this world the words of creation. He breathed the world into existence. Eventually, he breathed a life into Adam, into mankind. And then he finished and he (sighs) caught his breath. He breathed in a season of rest. Now, why? Is it because God got tired? What do you think? Did God get tired? No, said, don't answer yet. Let's just look to what Scripture says, because Scripture is never going to contradict itself. In Isaiah 40, and verse 28, it says, do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. We just read about that. He will not grow, what? Tired or weary. He didn't rest because he was tired. He, he rested just to take in that which he saw was very good, that in which he delighted. So, you've got three verbs there in chapter 2 and verse 1. We see that God finished, God rested, and then God blessed. By the way, this is the third thing that God blessed. In all of the Bible, God blessed the animals, God blessed humans, and then God blessed time. He blessed this seventh day. He he blessed this day of rest and he made it holy. God is saying there's something about this season of resting. There's something about this time that is sacred, that is holy. And if you don't understand that, if if you miss out on what God is saying here, you miss out on something holy. Holy. Rest is woven into the fabric of the universe. All of our understanding of time is built around this story. Do you understand this? That even evolutionists, even atheists, they look on their calendar and on their calendar they find how many days? Seven days. There was once an attempt to do away with this. It was during the French Revolution. 1793 they wanted to change everything with the rational calendar they changed it to a 10-day week that would make more sense everything is based on tens three weeks in a month 10 hours a day 100 minutes in an hour 100 seconds in a minute they hoped it would raise productivity but the result was depression higher suicide and lower productivity it lasted 13 years and then they went back to seven days a week because god had ingrained that in society and if that is true, if, if rest is ingrained in our humanity, if it's ingrained in the universe, when, when you fail to rest, you are going against the grain. And sometimes it may be helpful to go against the grain, but as someone once said, when you go against the grain, you often get stitches, or, or you, you often get splinters. You need stitches. <laughs> Let me just ask you, are you going against God's grain? Are you living contrary to his created order? Are you asking for trouble? God created the Sabbath rest. But the next thing we see is that God commanded the Sabbath rest. So I just want you to point out in Genesis Chapter 2, we're just seeing that God modeled this pattern of rest. But in Exodus, something begins to change. We, we first see the Sabbath mentioned actually in Exodus 16, when it talks to the children of Israel who have come in all this time of wilderness wandering, and, and God is saying to them, hey, are you, are you honoring this idea of the rest? And then in chapter 20, In the midst of what is called the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, one of the Ten Commandments deals with the Sabbath rest. Look in verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath. What does Sabbath mean? Rest. What do we say? Stop. To cease. The seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any animals nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that's in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Interesting. This is the longest commandment. It's the only one that's a spiritual discipline for spiritual formation. Just think about that. Prayer. You believe we should pray? This means yes. Not one of the commandments. Bible study. Do you believe we should study God's word? Not one of the commandments. But the Sabbath is. It's the most mentioned command in the Old Testament. But I would say it's the most overlooked of all the ten. Because I would suggest to you that we recognize if if we were to say, hey, let's leave here and let's go hold up to 7-Eleven and kill somebody you'd be like whoa pastor we can't do that and yet we go through our lives without understanding and contemplating and applying this principle of sabbath rest so if this is a command then we have another question we need to ask are you obeying this command of god are you remembering the sabbath Oh, by the way, let me tell you what the Sabbath is not. It's not just saying, relax, right? And it's not saying, go to church. So I think what we're doing in this time together, those of you that have physically gathered together here, this is important. It's an an obedience to another thing Scripture tells us to do in the book of Hebrews, which is forsaking not the assembling of yourselves together. We need to do this. In, In our Sabbath rest, worship corporately is certainly a part of what we do, but it's not ever intended to be everything
0: we do. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. Be encouraged by The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis weekday mornings at nine here on faith talk tampa